I am Laura McCowan. And I am Holly Weaver. And this is Home Podcast. And so we would begin. Who am I? What is it? Wait. I know it. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Oh. Oh, God. I don't even know anymore. I had this really. You had to. You were like, "Hey, we need we need assets or whatever." What? I was like what? <laughs> You're like oh! we have a. Pod- oh, when I asked pod- you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. What? What are assets? I don't know. Former VP of marketing. What are assets? You tell me. <laughs> Collateral. What, what am I using? Um, I had a really weird experience yesterday, and I want to talk about it. I woke up. I went to bed at like two in the morning, and like, which is very unusual for me, yeah. and um, and not by choice. I had started to go to bed at ten, and by two, it was still not happening. And what are you doing? Trying to sleep. What do you mean? What oh, was I doing? <laughs> I don't know if, if you were like, you know, I was reading and then I just kept reading. You were like trying to sleep. Trying to sleep. Wasn't. Yeah. It was awful. And then, oh I-, oh, I know. And and I think like when was the last time I saw the clock and I want to guess it was about 50. I mean, time goes so fast when you're trying to go to sleep. It goes really? so slow, but then you're like, oh, but then it starts speeding up because you you want more time. Do you know what I mean? And I And you and I had to record – at 7 a.m. yesterday, we were going to do a personal a personal podcast, whatever you call it. <laughs> like, we were going to do a, person, a personal, a very special personal episode. Um, but I I texted you and I woke up and I was like, this is not happening. And, like, and it was 6, I think. And then you said, um, wait, what? Like you said, you started trying to talk to me and I just wanted to go back to sleep. And then I was like, well, now it's too late. Fuck you for asking me three questions. And then <laughs> I, then I went and like, and then I got up and, and we didn't talk, I don't think, but I had a call at eight. Mm-hmm. And then I went to yoga and I, on my way to yoga, I was just like, oh my God, I thought I was hungover. It felt, yeah, I you felt, said you felt drunk. I felt like I was still – yes, because I talked to you on the way to yoga. I felt like I was still drunk and I went into the studio and I was like, oh, my God, there's no way I can do this class. And you know what was so interesting? I mean I was struggling and I had black mascara like streaking down my fucking face mm-hmm. and I was just sitting there the whole time and I was terrified that people were thinking that I was actually hungover from alcohol. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I'm like, I'm not. But I was like, they probably all think I'm hungover. And then yeah. – um. And I, I mean, I, I kept falling over. My balance was off. Um, I came home and I, I rest. I, I was just trying to get out of that space, but it felt like I was trying to rinse out a hangover. It was awful. Ugh. Um, Ugh. I, it's, it's really weird. I, I think it was, yeah, it was last week, and I, I felt like I was hungover all day. It was just a, like a travel hangover and yeah. exhaustion and all of that. I seriously, I was like, this is how I used to feel. It felt, I felt nauseous. I felt my yes. whole body hurt. I couldn't, I had no balance. I like couldn't eat anything. It was so okay. awful. Do you want to hear something weird? I think what? we might have low grade flu. <laughs> <laughs> it's from watching Blade Runner. No, because Megan <laughs> has had the same symptoms. 
Like really? You, I've been slightly nauseous. My balance has been crazy off. I feel like hungover. I feel a little achy. Maybe something happened in my workshop. No, well, or we could like maybe we ate dinner and we passed germs to each other. You know, there's it's like true. that's a I little guess. bit more. <laughs> you mean like <laughs> like somebody's ghost released and entered our yeah. bodies? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the likely explanation. Or it's like when uh, I think I went somewhere once I, and I was like talking about how I think it's like my past life. I like oh like, oh I know I told my therapist one time I was about like my fucked up shit with men and I was like I think this is something that happened in a past life, and she was like or <laughs> or, or sure yes. <laughs> But do you think maybe it's the trauma you've experienced in this life? Um, anyway, but yeah, no, it's I, that's probably like, that could totally be. We did have dinner together. We yeah, did, <laughs> we did eat at Gracias Madre, a lot of food, and we shared everything. Yeah, so, I bet that's what happened. Yeah, because I haven't felt good since, and I, I, I mean either. There's a million reasons why I might not feel good, but I haven't, I really haven't felt good. And I've been like so tired. Like I just want to so sleep. So tired. That's I know. I and wonder. nauseous and nauseous. Like yeah, you no, know, nauseous. Right. And I, I never have, I never, <laughs> this is a fascinating episode. <laughs> I've never had a sick stomach. Like I, I know handle. I can eat anything. I have been so sick. Like I got macaroni and cheese last night and I came Me home too. and I had two bites of it and I was like, I can't eat this. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Wow. Sorry, guys. Sorry for taking up. <laughs> Laura and Holly discover they both have the same flu bug. Um, cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So we're okay. Like we're not sick. Okay. We're not hungover. Um, cool. Anything else happening? <laughs> <laughs> um. Gosh, I feel like there is. Mm. One of my friends sent me up with a guy. And um, I just went and hung out with him and had coffee and the guy's gay. Um, I'm pretty no. sure. I'm like, did your, he was, did first of all, he had know? a ring on. First of all, he had a ring on. Um, and then my friend did not, he did disclose he did not know. Um, okay. But like he had a ring on and then lots, of, there were lots of, and my partner. Um, and so, oh. um, I mean, it was kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming. I mean, that was – I'm assuming. I'm guessing. Um, No, I know. But, I mean, I wasn't even – like, I wasn't even in- – I, I actually, by the time I met up with him, I wasn't interested in – I wasn't inter- – like, I wasn't interested in him romantically going into it, if that makes any sense. So, I was yeah. just like, you know. I so, was, you might have a new friend or something? Um, No, I was just – I don't know. I just, like, kind of didn't – whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, That's, that is pretty funny, though. You're like, hey, uh, I know. I kind of want to text up. him and be like, just so, just so we're all clear on this. I'm pretty sure um, yeah. that he's gay. Um, but we are. But but he's Italian and he's doing something really cool. Like he's in a kind of a special Italian business idea, business proposition, and um, it's like straight to my heart. So I made a new oh, friend. Yay! Um, yay! Anyway. Um, yeah, what else do I have? Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I could say this um, for promotional stuff. I will be in North Carolina, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, this Thursday doing a one-day um, like workshop. It's going to be awesome. It's 
some yoga. There's going to be these amazing chefs there. You're traveling this week? Oh, yeah. To, on Wednesday through oh my Sunday. God. I know. And um, I will be in Chapel Hill on Thursday. With Tasha. It's at this. Yeah, she's she's coming, attending. Um, and there's two spots left. So they might be sold out by the time this airs. But if they're not, you can check. It's at, it's called the Terra Vita Fest. T-E-R-R-A-V-I-T-A Fest. It's a big um, food festival in Chapel Hill. And then I will be at Sky Team Yoga in Tribeca, New York on Saturday teaching mm. a bigger yes workshop. And as far as I know, there are spots left. I think it, I think there were seven spots left last couple weeks ago. So which one at the, at the Tribeca, at the Tribeca one. Okay. And we uh, were at the Chelsea one, right? Or were we at the Tribeca one? We were at the Tribeca. We were at the Tribeca one. Yeah. That okay. One. Okay, cool. <clears throat> yeah. So, and that will be my last travel for the year. Oh, my God. I bet you're going to be so Hallelujah. happy. Yeah. Except for, like, going to Vermont. I will not be moving from my new home. <laughs> That's awesome. You Good didn't you. even respond to my picture today of my bed. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. Did you miss the part where I said, hi, since I last talked to you, I've been on phone calls straight and I haven't stopped no. for a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, oh yeah. you mean in our conversation. I know. I know. I'm just, I'm just using you. But it was pretty great. I was like more of I've like got like this morning, I was supposed to hang out with Mary Vance a couple of weeks ago and like, I just fuck, I mean, I, she, I saw her text come through and it just didn't even register because I was so fucking busy and I, um, and then I sent her something today and she was, I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And like the plans were kind of, uh, like up in the air. We weren't sure. Yeah. She wasn't sure, but I was like, hey, so sorry about that two weeks ago when we were supposed to hang out on Friday night. <laughs> and um, You're one of those people she, right now. It's okay. No, and she was like – she said in the future, can you just tell me like ahead of time? And I oh. get it, but I was so defensive about it. I just responded, yeah. okay. Like um, I mean I'm fucking up left and right. Like my mom is on her like first solo trip going up the coast and like I, you know, like I haven't res- – I mean it's like worse than usual and I can't. Like there's no fucking way I can do all the things that I have to do right now. Like there's just oh, no, no way I can uphold it all. And so anyway, like I apologize okay. to everybody who I have been a dick to or failed or forgotten. Or and I'm sorry for not texting you back about your room being a vagina today. I meant to, but every time I went to do it, somebody asked me a question about. Like, it's okay. You're important. I know. I'm no, I'm, I'm not. It's not that. It's I, I just took too much on. You know, it just I just right. am in the middle of. I knew it would be hard, but um, I actually didn't really think it would be this hard. Oh. I'm familiar. That's how October has felt to me the entire time and yeah. it's only it's October 16th yeah this has been um it's been quite quite the month quite the month eh quite the month eh um so, I have do you have anything you want to promote any? yeah no. you're in the middle of school right now so you're good hey, there's nothing I want to promote um I'm super I have not like there's nothing new yeah <laughs> no that's not true but it's in the nothing works. Like- the newness is in the works. Um, no, I actually have nothing to promote um, except for rating us on iTunes. Like, please yes. go on to iTunes if you if you listen to this. If you get any benefit from this, like, 
like that is what helps us out the most. And if like, it also helps other people find us. And so if you give us a rating, a little star rating, and you listen to us on iTunes over SoundCloud, um, what that does is it helps other people find this. Um, if you found this beneficial in your journey at all, just, um, this is how we, we help, you know, our sisters and brothers out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, we have the home pod, like the the store. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I actually, um, I meant to post something about the store because I, I still once in a while I'll post pictures of just me living my life. I seem to wear our t shirts a lot because uh, they're so, they're so soft and I love them and I love the colors of them. Um, and people are like, oh my god, I love your shirt. Where can I get it? I'm like, right. We don't tell people that they can actually buy these shirts that we have them for sale <laughs> on our website, which is home podcast, homepodcast.org. Go to the store. We have, I mean, they're still pretty new. We have a bunch of new designs and they're the best t-shirts. I love them. That's awesome. So you can also support us that way. That's how we um, pay our sound guy and pay Megan to help us keep it running. Yeah. That's all okay. I got, though. So we wanted, so we are introducing Megan to, Peters. Yeah. And we had, I was so um, loved our conversation because it was not at all, I mean, I didn't love it because of this, but I love where it went because we talked about um, a, a topic that I didn't plan on talking to her about. And yeah. we spent the whole hour on it about, um, you know, being in a relationship, uh, a marriage for her when you stop drinking and how that changes the relationship and what they have gone through in her four and a half years of sobriety. And I, it's something, it's probably the thing I get emailed about, I would say second most often. Um, and we have meant to do shows on it and we just haven't found the right people or put the right format together, but we, we plan to, but this we stumbled into accidentally and it was excellent. And she was so um, helpful and smart and my God, you haven't said what it's about. Well, okay. I mean, yes, I did. I said, <laughs> did we you? talked. Yeah. I said, we talk about her getting sober. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so dumb. You I'm have a colander <laughs> for a brain right now. <laughs> I'm like, get to it already. Tell them what it's about. Tell them. <laughs> I did like two minutes ago. Yeah. Oh my God. Let them know. You. Um, wow. Um, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. I'm put the episode image for this one. It's going to be you. You know how they have like the pumpkin head ones? You're going to have a colander. Just say no. Um, um, I think, um, no, like maybe Dory or Olaf. I feel like that's what just well, happened. Nice. <laughs> hey, tell them what it's about. Hey. Laura, stop holding out. Come on. Um, okay. But I, for me, this is, I think this is like one of my favorite topics as well. And, and, and because it touches so many, so many people get sober and are in relationships. I am not one of them. And I actually am really thankful for the fact that I was not attached to anybody when I went through what I went through. I have so much sympathy for, 
um, and empathy for people that go through this and have an, and are attached and to another yeah. person. And that other person has their own, most likely, I know very few people whose person, you know, doesn't have a, a complicated relationship with alcohol. And yeah. like it is, you know, because we build our lives, we tend to build our lives um, around alcohol. And so, mm-hmm. and even if not, it still is, even if that, even if the partner doesn't drink, it still is just like you go through this ridiculously, I mean, you, I'm not the same person I was and, and I don't know anybody that goes through this that comes out being the same person they were. They're vastly no. different. So right. I find it to be um, – I find it to be so interesting um, that uh, – like such an interesting topic of how people navigate through it. And of course, there's so many different ways. But I really love what, what you know, what we got to Megan to talk about. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. I always thought, you know, I agree. I wasn't attached to anyone either. And I – you know, there's no – it's always – it's every every path has its challenges. But I, I did think about how much I would have – hated my husband, my ex-husband by then, if I had to go through that with him, A, watching me, like witnessing me, how I just felt and and trying to like hold up, you know, another role of like, I just, I, I, I think about that. I think about having someone like witness me doing it. I think about how much I would have how difficult it is for someone to understand who's not, doesn't experience it, you know, like he, you know, drinks, but doesn't really care about it, but he wouldn't have, he has talked to me about it since and said, and has said, you know, I don't think I would like, I would have stopped drinking. Like, would you, would I have had to stop drinking? You know, it's like, even just having those conversations would have been rough. And you still, I think one of the biggest challenging things is like, you have a social life, together that usually involves alcohol, right? I mean, and so you're like, feel you already feel like such a downer. And then or I did, and then you feel like you're bringing down your spouse's, (laughs) like fun factor. Well, I feel like the hardest part for me would be, um, honestly, I feel like the hardest part would for me would be them not getting it. I mean, it was hard enough to deal with I you know, the last piece that's up on my blog is called um, something, something about how to come out to your family or whatever. But I like it was hard enough for me to deal with people that lived 300 miles away from me, you know? know? Like I can't even imagine what it would be like to have somebody, you know, like not get and and I know just from, you know, all the things that I've read and all the people I know that have gone through this, there can be such a disconnect. And not only just yes. such a disconnect, oftentimes the other partner can go worse on their, you know what I mean? Like um, yeah. you know, like their drinking increases or you know, like I've just seen like like I've seen every I think I've seen every incarnation of of Angle. It from yeah. yeah. And I, I just like, for me, it's always just like, I mean, and, and I know like one of my friends and I'm not going to name her name, but one of our friends, you know, she really, really pushes because she has this, you know, she sees a lot of, uh, of, of women just saying, just leave him, just divorce him, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, and she fought for her marriage and, and it was really important for her to fight for her marriage. And, 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 but to be honest, when she said that, I was like, fuck yeah, that's what my whole thing is. I'm always like, leave him. 
like just leave them. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> like, and I always, whenever people ask me for, like, whatever, you know, because I give a lot of, I run a school and I do coaching and I give a lot of advice to people that are going through stuff like this. And I never, I always preface this by saying, like, I don't know because I've never been through that. And honestly, like, right. my angle at this point is, like, fucking leave them, you know? Like, that's always going to be my advice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she who has never been married. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Fucking get out of there. What? <laughs> right. Don't stand for that. No, but I do. I mean, it's my, it's where I'm at. And I always have to put that on there. Like, it's where I'm at personally. I think this is why having a marriage counselor is so deeply important in this. And also oh. giving it space and time and also carving out your own time and all this stuff. But I do, I love that. I love that, Megan, you know, and I know many people that fought for their marriage. And, um, and I, you know, and, and I feel like this is, um, I just had a, a very personal conversation about it, um, you know, last week in, in person about, you know, fighting for, for your marriage. And um, mm. I, I think that this is one of the areas that uh, is not necessarily even like, I mean, not even like the couple thing, but also the saving the marriage part um, is one of the things that's even least addressed. Yeah. So I love what we get into here. We've prefaced this so much. It is ridiculous. Um, I know. Let's, <laughs> let her talk. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Okay. Um, okay, so Megan Peters is uh, known as Crazy Bananas on uh, Instagram. Um, she's also and got – And Twitter. Um, and she also has a blog, uh, www.crazybananas. I love how you bother to say that. <laughs> still. <laughs> In this still. I still. So I still do it. And I even saw it. Did you hear me slow down? Yeah. So yeah. – www uh the world wide web <laughs> dot crazy bananas dot com uh it's a it, it she, has, she blogs there and she's also a social activist she's mother she's sober she's got the same sobriety date as i do which is like by two days which is crazy um yep. i feel that's like finding out that you were born in the same hospital in the same town on the same day <laughs> i know what, kind of is. <laughs> what um yeah and so yeah and and megan is just amazing she reached out to us when we were talking about maintaining activists, like being activists, uh, being sober activists and, and how to balance, um, self-care with, with activism and, and the call to, to activism. Uh, but we ended up not talking about that. We talked about, no, uh, relationship. Yeah. Okay. Stuff. Stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Check her out. She's amazing. I I loved her blog. I spent a lot of time there and she's been blogging for a really long time. Um, and about all kinds of things. It's, it's, it's really good. Um, check her out yeah here she is here we go all right hello megan hello how are you this fine morning i'm good i'm tired but we're hanging in there yeah feel you yeah are you there laura yeah, I'm here. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Why are you tired? I am tired because we just got back from a family vacation at like midnight last night, flew in and had to, you know, Monday it up this morning Monday and get up. back into life and school and work and my body is still on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. It's the hardest thing in the world to end a vacation on a Sunday night and go to work on a Monday morning. I feel like that's oh. just cruel and unusual. 
I know. It was funny. My husband like didn't realize it till we were on the airplane. He was like, wait a minute, when are we getting home? <laughs> like, yeah. I have to work tomorrow. And I was like, yeah. Uh, and your kids had school, yeah? Yeah, they did. They had school this morning. My my littler guy, he's a he's good at waking up in the morning, but my daughter was like not into it. She was she was not a happy camper. Yeah. No. And your kids are how old? My daughter is eleven and then my son is six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Feel for them. So too. we we were reading, you know, been reading through all of your stuff and both Holly and I were just like, oh my God, she does a lot. Yeah. Well, I've known that. I mean, this, when I first started, like you sent me, what was, you were doing some sort of like nonprofit thing like a couple of months ago. And then I started piecing together. It was when you took pictures at the school. Um, what, what was that? In Greece. Was it in Greece? Oh, it was a refugee, the Syrian refugee camp. It was a refugee camp in Greece. Yeah. It was an informal school at a refugee camp for Syrians in Greece. Yeah. And I started piecing that together too. And it is, it, it seems like you do a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that I come from a long line of overworkers and <laughs> perfectionists and I'm constantly working on it, but I feel like especially lately, there's just so much I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's, it's been great, but it's definitely been challenging to keep it all, you know, straight in my head. Yeah. Let's so we want you to take us through a little bit of your of your story and then sure. talk about about what you what you do today, you know, okay. all the things that you're doing. So you have been sober for for how long? Like five years? Um yeah, like four and a half years. So my sobriety date's in April. So um yeah, right about four and a half. And um yeah, I and your kids you know, were so I'm just doing the math. Your kids yeah. were like they were two and six. So yeah, my wow. my younger one doesn't remember at all. I mean, at two, he had just turned two. Um, and my, my six-year-old, you know, she remembered for the first year or so, like she, not at any particular incident, she never really talked about. And, you know, it's hard when they're that little, it's like, you want to know what they're thinking, but you also don't want to put ideas in their heads, you know, by leading them like, Oh, do you remember yes. this thing or that? Um, but I've asked her now, cause it's, it's actually, it's interesting. She is in dare. Do you guys remember dare? That, that still happens it's still yeah so she started dare this year wow school, and so she's coming home asking questions like what about this drug or this blah, blah, blah. and she doesn't remember me drinking at all now she says I mean who knows it's probably deep down in there somewhere <laughs> right um yeah. but yeah they were pretty young yeah and I I read you know about your posts you have a post on scary mommy about your last hangover and like it, you don't have to take us through the long road version, but what, what kind of put you at the point where you, where you stopped? Sure. I mean, I always had a poor relationship with alcohol and more just like a poor relationship with feeling badly. I always wanted to be the best at everything, total perfectionist and alcohol was kind of my release but I also hated it. You know, I hated that feeling of out of control that I got. It's like, I wanted to hit that sweet spot where I felt like relaxed, but not out of control. And it had gotten to this point, especially after my second child. Um, I just went back to it so much faster. I didn't drink when I was pregnant with him. And I remember being so relieved because we'd been trying to get pregnant. We had gotten accidentally pregnant with my daughter when I was, uh, God, 23. Um, 
And it was, you know, now when I look back on it, that was a big, uh, I mean, the word trauma sounds too serious, but that's, you know, I've like gone to therapists and they've been like, yeah, that's a trauma. Um, Cause it was not part of my plan um, at that time. And then of course, cause the universe likes to screw with us. um, When I wanted to get pregnant, I couldn't, I had secondary Mm. infertility. So I've been trying to get pregnant for so long. And honestly, part of that thought was like, I was drinking so much at that time. I just thought, if if I can just get pregnant, I won't drink. And so I was so relieved when I did finally get pregnant after a few years with him. But then afterwards, I went back to it so fast and it was just like to the races. And I was doing it really differently than I had been, right? Because I had two little kids. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. How different it gets when you have kids, like like how different it hits you, but also, I don't know. There's something that happens like uh, physiologically that is just so different. You're so tired, (laughs) not only physically, but like mental, like the mental energy it takes to be a parent. And even, I think even more specifically a mother is, is it's just so much. And when you're like pouring this, poison down your throat on top of it, which makes you more tired and makes you depressed and all of these things. It's just like the perfect storm. I've seen so many women mm-hmm. fall down this same path. It's not like my story is terribly unique. Oh, no. Not. Um, yeah. And then, you know, he was, I, it was one of those things, honestly, what ended up happening was I was miserable. I was super depressed. Um, and I started changing things in my life slowly, right? Like I quit my job and I did all these other things and I was thinking of starting my own business and I was taking all these courses on like self-help and courage and like (laughs) what do you want to do with your life and the only thing I knew it was the drinking I knew it Mm -hmm. but that was the one thing I wasn't willing to change yet Mm -hmm. and then you know it was just like it was this it was such a sad slow like to the bottom. It wasn't like this big dramatic. It was just like really depressing. Just roll, like roll, roll down at the bottom. Yeah. And and I just remember, yeah, I was actually the the last hangover I had, I got I, I actually went out, which I normally didn't do. I drank at home most of the time, but I had gone out with some friends and then I was taking my six-year-old to see Mary Poppins the next day, uh, the next evening. At a, it was like Broadway across America in Kansas City where I live. And, um, I took, and I was so, I mean, I thought I was going to throw up on the way down there. I made her stop at a grocery store so I could get Gatorades to chug, you know, Mm -hmm. just like, I was just so disgusted with myself. And I remember looking at her and how happy she was at this concert. You know, she's six, it's Mary Poppins. And she is literally just like the happiest little light that ever existed. It's really insane. Um, And I was just this gross, sad thump, you know, like it was just like, this can't, this isn't fair to her. It's certainly not fair to me. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know why that day, that next day, actually it was my uncle's funeral and he helped kind of raise me. And actually my last drink was the day of the Boston marathon bombing. I was going to say that because your sobriety date's the same as mine. It's like mine was really. Yeah, mine was on that Sunday. My last hangover was in Austin. Saturday night I got drunk. Sunday I woke up and that was it for me. And then the Boston Marathon happened on Monday. And so mine is the – is yours the 16th or the 15th? So I say it's – I don't – I say the 16th. 
Because that's um, the first day you never had alcohol, right? Right. But then yeah. I, when I celebrated my first year anniversary, I, I, I did 12 step kind of for the first two years and I was told that was wrong. But like it's supposed to be the day before that, but I don't care. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's way. the day that feels to me like I don't really want to celebrate the day I had my last drink. I want to celebrate yeah. the day I didn't. So that's right. April fifteenth. So. Mine is the fourteenth. Mine is that Sunday. That was what I counted because that was when I mean, unless we're talking like midnight. But that Sunday was the day I didn't drink, and then sure. so, when, yeah. yeah, yeah, that Monday I did drink because oh, it was okay. my. So my last big hangover was Sunday. Okay. Um, but Monday, my my uncle, who I loved dearly, but just had the saddest life, like four people came to his funeral. Um, yeah. It was, and he was an alcoholic and yeah. it was just the saddest. And so I came home and I got a text and like, I hadn't been online. I hadn't, you know, and everybody's like, did you see what happened in Boston? And so I was doing that thing where you watch the news just to like feed your crazy. Yeah. And I was drinking wine. And I remember just being like, this is stupid. Like, this is not helping anything. This is not bringing my uncle back. This mm-hmm. is just making me more miserable. And I poured it down the drain. And that was the last yeah. time I drank. That's that so Monday. wild, you guys, to think about like what each the three of us were doing on that day. Yeah. What because were you doing? Because that's Boston. Did you, were you running in there. that? Were you running no, in? No, I no, I, I ran the year before, and and but this is kind of crazy. Just to go on a little side story because I just I don't think about this day much, but it was huge. It, like the month before, one of my really good friends had died from uh, heroin overdose, and and I had lived with him for a couple of years. He was my best friend's boyfriend. He lived with us and then he had moved away and went moved on to the Cape and the, and just spiraled down. So we had gone to his his funeral and then his wake and then we went to the Reds the Red Sox play every marathon Monday. They play at like 10 a.m. And I had just I had I I was that was 2000 yeah, I was separated from my husband and and um we took the day off. Her and I went to the game and the plan was to spread his ashes on Fenway because he was a big Sox fan. So we, we were wasted, you know, by 11 and she did, she spread the ashes and then we just like went on a bar crawl. And usually we always go to the finish line and watch. And we didn't that day cause we just were moving more slowly, you know, and we were at this bar on uh, by Fenway when, when the news came and we spent that entire, I mean, I will never forget that day. I had an interview the following day for my most recent job in the city. And I was like, that was probably when my drinking was the scariest. You know, that's when it was just really like, I remember going to that interview. I like threw up on the way into the city. And so you, so Holly, you were like, get getting sober. Megan, you, that was your last day. And I was like a year away from my worst, worst, mm. worst. But I'll never forget that day. It was just so... I mean, aside from being in Boston and it being what it was, it was so like, I remember just, I was in the bar, you know, and hammered and this like insane tragedy was happening in my city, like blocks away. And I still just wanted to keep drinking, Mm. you know, it was like, what is happening and why am I not? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's wild to think back. The weird thing about it too, is when you, when stuff is, you know, around a tragedy like that every year, you know, on my sobriety day, like you can feel the buildup to it because it's on the news and it's everywhere. And you're thinking about where you were. It's a very, it's a very odd thing to have your date kind of be around something like that. 
Well, and and I think that the big thing is like we're experiencing all kinds of shit, you know, right now in our country, mm-hmm. and to be sober and to like be to to actually witness. There's this level of beat that I was removed from what was happening, even if even though I had literally run the Boston Marathon like three times and I could have easily been in the finish line. You know, there was this level of just completely being removed like this uh, and not and and now, you know, being like present to all of the things that are happening and feeling them so much more. I mean, that's what we want to talk about a lot with you, Megan, because you do all this advocacy work. But let's draw back just a little bit. <laughs> so, so you got pregnant, uh, pregnant, you got sober, different, different <laughs> kind of like having a baby, <laughs> different baby. You had a sober baby. Um, and then I, I'm really curious what, cause you and your husband had been together at that point. Like what is his role in all of this and where was he? But did you, hold on. Did you get, was that it? Was that the first time that you tried to quit drinking and that was the only, and it stuck? That was no, it? no. Okay. I mean, leading up to that, like I, like I kind of said, like I had tried all these other things and I did one of those things where I like quit for a month and then I was like, okay. oh, fine, I'm good. Like, and I actually didn't even make it a month. I made it 28 days and I was like, yeah, close enough. I'm fine. Um, so that year leading up to that, there okay. were lots of starts and stops, Okay. but like something felt really different that time for yeah. sure. Yeah. Same um, for me. Like same. So, and okay. it never, even at that time. I didn't think like, oh, this is the time, right? Okay, mm. this time it's going to stick. If anything, the big difference that happened that time is I legit was like on my knees. Yeah. I was like, I cannot do this anymore. And I reached out to, I was really lucky in that um, I, I'd been a blogger for like a billion years. I'm like a blogging <laughs> dinosaur. And um, <laughs> so I had followed Stephanie Wilder Taylor like way back when, like, and she's a sober person now in recovery. And so she had posted about being sober on her blog. And so through her, I found some online groups. And so I was already in them. I just wasn't saying anything. I was just sitting there reading everybody's stuff. And I was just like, I reached out to, you know, the 10 people on there that looked like they had lives that I liked. Cause there are a lot of people in sobriety and recovery that I'm like, yeah, I don't want your sobriety. Um, even now I'm like, I eh, know. Um, yeah. and I was just like, what did you do? How did you do it? Um, and I tried everything. I was like, like what? Oh, I did 12 step. I did yoga. I did smart recovery. I did, went to an addiction counselor. I, um, <laughs> tried to make sober friends, which I still really struggle at. Why uh, is that funny? <laughs> what do you uh, mean you tried to make sober friends? I just am not like, I'm, <laughs> I'm an, I'm what they, I guess they call like an ex, not an extroverted introvert. What do you call it? An outgoing introvert. So I just have a pretty small circle of people in my life and always have. And I'm one of those people that can be very outgoing in a crowd, but I found, especially with 12 step, I found that you really had to be involved in the fellowship to make friends. Mm -hmm. And I had a two-year-old and a six-year-old and a job and, um, and at the time, my husband wasn't not supportive of my recovery, but he just really had no idea what was going on. And so I was kind of doing it in secret. And like, I just, I, I didn't have the time or the resources to make sober friends, honestly. And so many of my friends um, and my life and my social life revolved around drinking. It was really lonely for like that first year, for yeah. sure. What it, I, I'm curious about this, just because we've had so many questions about it and you have 
you know, a story that maybe could be helpful. Like you said, your husband didn't really know what was going on. Like, is it because you had, you kept your drinking from him or you had two kids. So you have this entire life that you guys are just managing and you're kind of like, he's, you know, doing that. And like, what do you mean? He didn't really know what was going on. And did you guys drink together? We, so we didn't drink together. We like drank adjacent um, because we're both <laughs> introverts and we're both introverts in really extroverted jobs. So like our lives are literally about like being among the people and talking and public speaking and all the things he's an executive at a tech company. And, okay. um, and so we both come home and we're like, I can't talk to you. Like <laughs> I'll talk to you for like three minutes. And then I need to be alone. Um, and so we didn't, it's not like we sat together and did things together drinking. Um, but you know, I was really good at hiding how bad it was. He knew I was drinking pretty Mm -hmm. much every day. Um, Mm -hmm. but he didn't know how bad it was. And, um, like he didn't know how bad you were feeling. He didn't know about how I was feeling. He didn't know I was hiding alcohol in the closet. He didn't know. Okay. Um, and so honestly, when I quit, it was a huge trust thing with it between us because he felt like, um, or I shouldn't put words into his mouth, mouth, what he felt like, but what he had said to me was, well, what happened? Like something must've happened to make, right. Me- like you just- had some big event or something. That right. And, and know. he felt like he had been being lied to. And, right. he was. and so there was a lot, he was like, you've been having this huge problem this whole time. You've never talked to me about it. Now, all of a sudden you're totally changing your life. You're going to these meetings. We're not um, a religious family per se. And so 12 step was super foreign to him. Um, And as a husband, you know, and I was was 30 and I'm not a naive person, but I'm a blonde girl in Kansas who was 30. Like he was worried that I was going to be preyed upon by men in the program. Um, He didn't like that all of a sudden I could talk to, you know, strangers on the internet about this problem, but I couldn't talk to him. Right. It was a really, that's a really big deal. Yeah, it was. Um, But he was still drinking. And so that was really hard for me too, because I would see all these people around me that were sober, you know, that their families would do anything for them to get and stay sober, you know, like anything. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't have that same thing. I mean, and not just him. I mean, it was it was my friends. It was my extended family. Because I had kept the problem so secret, you know, part of my my thing was that I didn't let anybody see how bad it was. If anything, mm-hmm. I overcompensated mm-hmm. yeah. and did all the things to prove, like, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. Right. Um, so for them to see me kind of, because when I got sober, I really stopped doing all the things. I mean, I just concentrated on being sober for like a year. Yeah, which is like a huge I mean, I'm sure and I'm not meaning I am meaning to focus on this thing with your husband because I'm we don't get into this a lot like every a lot of people's stories that we talk to don't involve this. So I'm super curious how you guys navigated it. Like you're all of a sudden you're like, I'm just focusing on getting sober and I'm sure you stopped doing shit that you used to do. Right. Like, yeah, in your in your life with the word selfish was thrown around quite a bit in that first year. (laughs) Um, and to me, you know, I was like very righteously offended because in the, in the, in the self-righteously, I should say, um, in the circles that I was running in, everybody was telling me to be selfish. You have to be selfish. You have to take care of yourself. Selfish isn't a bad word. How did you bridge that with him or did you? Um, not very well (laughs) for a while. Um, 
I well, did you I, feel like he was right or did you feel were you absolutely like certain like because I think a lot of people that are in that situation would feel re- like they were being selfish. I know I did when I was told I was being selfish and that wasn't by a totally. husband. So right. did you actually believe him or did you completely outright deny it? No, I believed him. Okay. But I also thought that that was okay. Okay. I, 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 you know, as being that mom caretaker person, my entire life had up until then had been built upon serving others. Yeah. No matter what above yeah. myself always, I'm always sixth or seventh on the list. You know, it's the yeah. kids, it's the husband, it's the family. It's, you know, friends. all the nonprofit stuff. Yeah. It's the friends, it's the job. And then it's me. Yeah. And it was like, look where that got me. Yeah. So I didn't feel bad about it because I really did feel like this is temporary. I mean, I'm, I still am selfish when I need to be, yeah. but I knew it wasn't going to be like that forever because I had talked to a lot of people that had said just, you know, feelings are temporary. This is all temporary. You're so new. And for me, you know, when I quit, I, I really did think like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm not addicted. I'm not addicted, addicted, right? Yeah. Like, I'm fine. I, I'm a successful person. Mm-hmm. And I really, I went through withdrawals. I, mm-hmm. you know, had pause for like ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that really scared me that mm-hmm. I never wanted to go through that again. I yeah. never wanted to go through night sweats and night terrors and all of that stuff again, because that was like, because I had, you know, both quote unquote quit other times and I had never gone through withdrawals. So I knew it was bad. And I was just like, if I have to be selfish for six months or a year or whatever, um, I feel like in the end, my kids are going to have a better mom. And hopefully if my marriage can sustain this, he will have a better wife and we will have a better relationship. And that's been true, but it, it certainly was not immediate. And it was really hard. <laughs> did you guys can, can you pull apart the word selfish though because I like I have a little bit of a problem calling it selfish. I mean it is selfish, <laughs> but like that has such a negative connotation to it. And really what it is is it's taking care of yourself so that you can like actually having a self to take care. Like like taking care of yourself so that you actually have a self so that that self can then go out and help other people. And I don't think it's just temporary. I think it's I mean, I think that there is like acute like an acuteness to it, but I don't think that that just goes away. Can you talk a little bit? Do you know what I mean? Like can like I sure. think like I have yeah. to remain like taking care of myself first to be able to take care of other people. So, I mean, can you talk a little bit about like whether or not you think like selfish is the right word or is it like self-care or and then how long I mean, how whether or not like that goes away for you, like whether that's changed. I think for me calling it selfish was more of trying to own my own stuff and my own story. Like, fine, if you're going to call me selfish, yeah, I am. I need to take care of myself. Um, but you're right. I don't walk around going, I'm selfish. I'm I'm going to be selfish. It is more of self care. And I do think that it, it goes on forever, right? Like I know it's that whole dumb. I just got off an airplane last night. You know, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can help others. And Mm. I still believe that. And if anything, the last four and a half years are a huge testament to that, right? Like all the things I've been able to do never would have happened without sobriety first. Never, never would have happened without self-care first. I would not have had the energy, the time, the stamina. Um, But I do think in that first year for me, it was different in that um, it was, it was acute. Like you were saying, like that was my life. 
I went from being a person who did all the things to saying, kids, we're having cereal for dinner because I can't, mm, again. I can't, I can't dinner tonight. Um, uh-huh. Well, you'll have popcorn for dinner. I can't, we had lots of dry foods for dinner. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they, sur- they survived. They're fine. They're thriving. And I think up until then, like so many women um, and mothers, but women of all kinds, we put so much pressure on ourselves to, to do all the things right. And, um, you know, at that year, that six months, especially the first six months, I was like, I just need to be okay. Like, I don't need to be the best. <laughs> I can, I, my kids didn't go on any play dates. They, we watched so much TV, you know, you're not supposed to let two year olds have screen time. That kid was, uh, you know, attached to the iPad. Um, but that's okay. I, I kind of, that's kind of what I mean by, um, by it being more intense that year. Um, now because I practice it in a long-term kind of way, I have the stamina to, you know, have a little more balance (laughs) than I had then, but it's like, I had to swing that way in order to get back to even because it had been so the other direction for so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. What did you, what, um, were there points when you thought your marriage might not, like, you guys might not make it through it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, what- it, we, so, yeah, we've done a lot of, a lot of stuff to, to make it work. Um, I think the biggest thing for us was rebuilding that trust. Um, mm-hmm. Because it really did feel like a, a breach of trust, I think, to him. Um, and finding, for me, it was about healing myself first. I very much felt that I couldn't come together and make the marriage a healthy place um, unless I was healthy. And right. and the marriage wasn't healthy. I mean, even before then, it wasn't healthy. I mean, I, I obviously wasn't being true to myself. Well, um, it can't be. You know, no. if, it, if an addiction exists or, you know, anything like that, it's, you know, it can't be. But I think the thing that's interesting is I think um, for the first, for for a while, I really felt like, but I'm doing something good. Like, why isn't everyone happy? Like, why yes. is everybody throwing me a parade? Like, this is really hard. And I'm doing this to be good, to be better, mm-hmm. to, and, yes. and that didn't, that didn't really come across because even good change is still change. Yeah. And when other people in our orbit don't get to make that change themselves, they don't get that choice. Um, he didn't get to choose that I was going to be sober. I just did it. Yeah, I, I mean, right. he was actually, the week I got sober, he was out of town. And so, and I did it kind of, I think that also added to part of why it, it stuck because he wasn't here. And so I could kind of just like hunker down. <laughs> right. And, um, and when he got back, I kind of told him and he was like, what? Um, and so hmm. I think he thought it was temporary. I think he thought we could wait it out, you know, and then get back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. And, you know, there was a new normal. Um, but especially I would say, honestly, it took. I hate saying this because I know it's really discouraging to people in relationships when they're getting sober, but it took about three years. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think so. Get, I think that's super realistic. Because I know a lot of women reach out to me just because um, of my story and will ask me like, the, you know, they're three months in. They're like, I want to get a divorce. And I'm like, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> like, I hear you. Um, for me, honestly, the main reason I didn't do anything was because I was afraid that would threaten my sobriety. It wasn't necessarily that I thought like, oh, this is working so great. Like we should definitely stay married forever. It was more, if I get divorced, I don't know how I'm going to maintain my serenity. Like I'm so early. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. So I'm just going to hang on Mm -hmm. as long as I can. Um, 
And I did you guys have conversations like that? Were you like communicating during that time about what was going on? on? Did you did you start to like as you got more sober and like he maybe saw that this wasn't just a temporary thing and did did your did you guys start to communicate more honestly about what was going on with you? Yes, but it took a lot of time for me. And and a yeah. lot of that is on me. You know, I was a big people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so when when I say he felt like he was being lied to, you know, I was one of those people that, oh, you like that? Yeah, I like that too. Let's go do that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then he'd be like, you know, saying to me six months sober, let's go do that thing we like to do. And I'd be like, no, I hate that thing. That thing sucks. I don't want to <laughs> do that never thing. Liked that. And he'd be like, you've changed. And I'm like, no, I always hated that thing. I never wanted to do it. And he's like, so you lied? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I did. But I did it because I was trying to make you happy. And so there was so much of that to work through. It was just, and we had been together. We've been together now 17 years. <laughs> My God. I mean, we started dating when I was 19. Like, ugh. like we're so different now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, good God. Like, I just, noise is funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's honestly been, you know, it's, it's been a journey for me just to be honest. I was always so afraid of being honest my whole yes. life. I've always been one of those people, like I, I grew up in a home with, with mental illness and my job was to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. Is everyone good? Is everyone okay? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do whatever you need to make you feel okay. Um, And so sobriety for me was about finding, like, what do I like? What do Mm -hmm. I want to do? And that can be really, you know, even though I had always, you know, outwardly been very independent, you know, like, I don't think anybody would have described me as like meek or people pleaser, but they didn't know. Right. You know yes, what I mean? Totally. Same. Yeah. Um, and so for those people closest to me and not just my husband, you know, my, my siblings, my in-laws, people were just like, what is going on with you? And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so about, I, you know, we started doing counseling, which really, really helped. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we've started just in the last, you know, year to six months, really, really hunkered down in that counseling and, and trying to reconnect um, all those dots. And and I have to work every day, to be honest with him, because my initial, even now, my, my go-to is like, whatever makes you happy. Because mm-hmm. um, it's easier. It's easier. Yeah, yeah. But it's not in the long but run. It's not, right. It's easier right. in the moment. It's kind of like alcohol, right? It's the easy button. And um, it doesn't work long term. So, um, so yeah, our biggest thing has definitely been like finding a really good counselor that has experience with addiction, um, has experience with both sides of addiction, you know, Mm -hmm. being the spouse, the couple, you know, either side, because both of those sides have their issues because we all play into this thing. Um, and yeah, I think we finally gotten to the point, I mean, where we're both like two, two holes working on creating a whole relationship instead of both being kind of a mess and then trying to fix our relationship because that didn't work very well. Yeah. And I think it's so, um, and then we can kind of move on from this topic, but I think it's so important to hear like the truth about that because I, a lot of women will email me and say like, I, I'm such, I'm, I feel like I'm such a bitch now in <laughs> sobriety, or I feel like I can't even promise my husband that this will be better. You know, yeah. that like I will be more fun or I will be happier or, and it's like, you can't, you know, that's not even what you're going for. Um, 
Can I ask so, something if it's – can I just ask if about something that you – and, like, feel free to not answer it. But, like, okay. did you guys – like, did how was – did you have sex with him in the first year? Yes. Okay. It was different. It was It was really different. You know, I had been a person that from – you know, I'm a survivor of sexual assault. And so from the time I was sexually active on my, you know, own terms, I guess you could say mm-hmm. – um, it was always lubricated by alcohol. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever had sober sex in my entire life. Right. Um, except even for when I was husband. pregnant, <laughs> not even just with my husband, even before that. But I mean, yeah. we started dating when I was 19. So yeah. I mean, right. I was pretty young. Um, and so it wasn't even as much about him, although it was about him, but it was also, it was so much about me and just feeling so like, Oh God, I'm naked. Right. What's happening. Right. <laughs> Um, it was just, it was really, it was really different. And that was another thing that, you know, is part of the puzzle that you have to work on and you have to talk about. And it feels crazy to have to go into a marriage counselor when you've been married for 10 years and say, I don't know how to be intimate. I don't know. It's not though. Like, I think that I think more people find themselves in that situation than, than we think, you know? Yeah. And, and it feels like you shouldn't because you are so close. It's not like you're going out and finding someone new. Right. Um, but you're a different person, mm-hmm. you know? And we just actually, we got back from a relationship retreat that we went to together a couple weeks ago in Arizona. And we took this class, which was just like the best. <laughs> He's such a freaking trooper. Like it, we walked in, there's 12 pillows sitting in a semicircle around this woman with crystals. And he just looks at me and I go, and was it in Sedona? Were you like full it on? Was in, it was a place called Canyon Ranch. Oh, in yeah. Tucson. Okay. He actually planned it and surprised me with really? it. Really? Uh, he wow. did. Yeah. We were kind of, honestly, we were in kind of a yicky place and both of us were feeling very whatever. And then he kind of said to me, hey, what do you have planned this weekend? I, I think I'm going to make plans for us. And I didn't know where we were going until we pulled up. It was like Whoa. the nicest thing he's ever done for me. But um, so did he play – then this like kind of gives me this idea because I think like it seems like – it sounds like your husband was – how do I – like willing to change with you. I think that that's like – Eventually. Okay. Yeah. Not, and not, how not long did that take? Well, I mean it's been four and a half years. So, right. But I'm just saying that, like, obviously, if he's taking you away to a couple's retreat, you know, then there is then this is not just when the change occurred. But I'm just like, how long did it take for him? Because I work with like I work with a lot of people, right? Like in my school, I work with a lot of people. And like most people that go into this, we base our whole lives off of drinking and our relationships are centered around it to some degree. And if you're in a relationship when you stop drinking and that and your partner doesn't, which for the most part partners do not stop drinking once you stop drinking regardless yeah. of their relationship with it like there's always this there is always a friction point at at the beginning obviously but then I want to know I am curious because I don't think all partners come around I don't think okay. that all stories work out the way your story worked out like I don't think all husbands come to the conclusion or all partners come to the conclusion that your husband has or, you know, and, I, and, and I'm not saying that it's – anyway, I don't even want to try and say I'm not saying. But my question to you is at what point was it – when was it that you started to feel like that it was salvageable or that it was mm-hmm. not – like when did he – it start to turn in a way that made you feel optimistic about it? Sure. So 
I would say it was about a year and a half sober. And I wouldn't say that that was like, it's been a steady climb from there. There's still been deep, deep valleys in that time. But that was the first time that first year I was pretty hopeless the entire year. I pretty much hung on because I was like, I don't want to make any big changes. I have little kids. I'm just going to hang on. And then when I'm a year sober, um, and then at a year sober, some things happened that I won't go into here, but, but were kind of scary. Um, and, um, and then it was kind of that summer, you know, it was like April. And then that summer I, I finally was honest with him about some things and set up some boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. I was really lucky cause I will agree with you. I think that in general, the women that I met in sobriety or recovery who had been married to people who drank, um, were divorced. Yeah. I, there were very few of them that, that survived that. Um, but I think that a lot of that is that when they stayed together, people don't talk about it because it's not their story. You know, that's a shared story. You don't want to, uh, impinge on somebody else's privacy. You don't want to necessarily tell your spouse's story for them. Um, you mean what you don't hear the stories of when people stay together. Okay. Right. Like we, you don't hear the, the, the downsides, you know, how that, how hard it was Yeah, Um, because people want to, you know, protect that. And I get that. And I do, I, I don't talk about it all that much. Um, but I do think it's important because I hear about it a lot. And every time I do talk about it, like the messages I get from women, like are amazing, you know, like how they, so many people want to know if that's possible. And it is, it is possible, but it's also, it doesn't happen for everybody. You know, everybody has to listen to their own gut and, and really, you know, do all the steps they need to do to protect themselves. Yeah. Um, if they're with, you know, a spouse that continues to drink or, or just isn't supportive of their sobriety or whatever. Um, but for us, you know, we had been together so long and, um, I just really felt like I wanted to, do, I knew that I wanted to do everything that I could to make it work. Yep. I wasn't necessarily saying it would work, mm-hmm. but I, I had this, feeling in my gut that I would know if it was time to stay or leave. And I never yeah. felt like it was time to leave. Yeah. And, and did so he, lo- he must've had the same sort of sense. Like he I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that a little bit. Um, and gone, you know, he had moments too, I think where he was like, I don't know if this is going to work Yeah, <laughs> because we're so di- she's, he felt like I was so different and I had changed so much because yeah. he probably so did. Leave. <laughs> yeah. And I did. And, you know, and, and he kind of felt left behind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's hurtful. And I think one of these things too, like for like, I think one of the more black and white ways you can look at it is, I mean, when, when one person evolves, I mean, the other person has a choice to either evolve or not to. And I think that that's like, like for me, I mean, my evolution was so exponential. I, I changed so quickly in so many different ways. I'm not the same person that I was five years ago, that I was four years ago or three years ago. I mean, every every year, every month, almost every day, there's like some sort of evolution because we turn and we start facing this thing. We face the thing. And then when we face the thing, it sets us on this path towards an endless exploration of self. And that's almost like moving from, you know, a low speed to like, you know, to light speed. And if you are and and all I think everybody has this potentiation. Like, I think this is what everyone's everyone's here to find. Right. Um, but I do think that if that there has to be a leap has to be made by the other partner. I think that that's one of the things that defines whether or not, um, because I do think that relationships are meant 
for people to grow together, not, you know, complete one another. But I do think there has to be this ability to grow together and that that um, – it sounds like your husband did that. Like he made a leap to grow. Is yeah, he absolutely did. Absolutely. I mean, like just this – even this past, you know, trip that we just took, this relationship thing – we talked about, you know, the life and death cycle of relationships that people tend to think, you know, they know there's valleys in relationships, but they think, you know, when you get in that valley, you think, oh, I want to get back up to where we were or it's over mm-hmm. when the truth is you go back up, but you're going forward. So yeah, you don't go the back next, to where you were. the next inca- incarnation of your relationship may look very different from what you had. And yeah. you do have to go through that process of grieving that relationship yes. that was, and then a new one is reborn. And that was a huge, you know, aha moment for both of us. Like, Oh, like this is a new thing we're doing now and, and we can do it together. And that was huge. And, and it's been really, it's been really cool actually to see him, especially in the last year, you know, really work on himself too, um, in his own way, you know, cause we have to work on ourselves and, Mm. and that's been really, really cool. It's been, it's been cool to see. And did he do that, like, on his own, you know, more or less? Was it like he kind of, I mean, how did that look for him? Was he working like... On him, working on himself? Yeah, and just how he got there. Like, I guess I'm wondering if there was a, a point where he's like, okay, th- I, this is, you know, or... Sure, I think she... he got to a point, you know, where, I mean, to be frank, where we sat in counseling and our counselor was like, she's going to outgrow you if you don't do something mm. like you can, he, I mean, she was basically like, you know, you can, you can stay, you can find a different wife, <laughs> you know, you mm-hmm. guys don't have to stay together, but if you want to stay with her, you're going to have to do some work. And then, you know, I think it took a little bit more. And then, and then once he started, I think that's a thing. Once you start, it's kind of, you get hungry for it. You know, you're like, Oh, like this affects, it's not just about like doing this to make my wife happy. Like this affects my, I'm a better boss. I'm a better father. I'm a better human. I'm a better son. I'm, and well, I'm a I experience husband. life in a, in a different way. Like there's yeah. this potential to experience life in a different way, regardless of what your wife's doing or what you're, yeah, you know. it becomes more about you and, and what you're putting out into the world, not necessarily what your, your spouse or your partner or whatever that is. Right. Um, and that's been really, it's been really interesting to see. And I think the other thing is to now he sees so clearly the positive changes in me and how all of this stuff that was like annoying or whatever that I was doing three or four years ago, what that's led to for us now. And so it yeah. looks a lot more appealing right? Like, oh, if we do this, look where we can go. Yeah. Like you become willing to do, to do the work and to sit through like the discomfort of changing and. Right. And and I think that's honestly, I think that's so hard for men too. I mean, this masculine world we live in, I mean, for a man to walk into a room of 12 people and sit on a pillow and talk about his feelings, (laughs) I was like, you've never been sexier. Good God. Right. I can't believe you did that. And I love you. So I have to give him lots of props because I know that's not easy. That's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. Unless you're like that way, you know. Right. doesn't sound like he was then, no. <laughs> then it's we, very we live in Kansas he's you know yeah. a masculine dude from the Midwest for sure <laughs> well that's awesome so okay so I want to talk oh we have 10 minutes wow 
that was fast. Um, <laughs> and we didn't even, ta- I'm so glad we talked about what we talked about, but we didn't I am talk too. about any, anything that Holly and I had planned. We want to talk, well, we want to go ahead, Holly. I, we had like one big question to ask and it's Well, gonna... the reason we, that you reached out to me was because we had, I, on a podcast episode previously, we had talked about, I mean, for me, it's important, like social activism is incredibly important and it's part mm-hmm. of my life and it's something that that I am able to even consume um, and and also uh, that I'm able to uh, – how do I want to say this? I'm able to not blow it, uh, not blow my health by engaging in – by engaging in it. And I think for me, one of the things that I and, – and Laura and I had talked about it. One of the things that I weigh is is how much I share on my feeds because most of the people that follow my feed are in uh, are in a battle to to save themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one of the things that I am interested in having you talk about is how you are able to how long it took you because i you couldn't obviously you're you know your family's eating dry dry goods for a year and <laughs> you know and i mean like you're doing the best you can just to save your life and you're probably not consuming all the news you know if this was let's say that like you got sober on you know in november 2016 Right. I'm wondering if you like, you know, what that would have looked like for you in in the climate that we're in right now and how you I just want to hear you talk about how you balance giving of yourself and also exposing yourself to really heavy things um, while you're still like, you know, while you're still taking care of yourself. Um, how do you balance kind of opening yourself up to the horrors of the world and, and being an active participant and 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 also saving the world when you're just trying to save yourself. Right. So if I had gotten sober in November of 2016, the best advice I would give anyone is just like, yeah, hunker down with the cereal and take care of yourself because the world needs you sober. You can't do anything if you're drowning it in wine, like I would have been. Um, And that's the thing, you know, that's been really honestly frustrating watching kind of the social activism movement is watching women be like, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go drink wine because they're taking away my health care. And it's like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. I know. Um, it's, been, it's it's a big thing. That is a, like, I don't know, there's that Tina Fey sketch and she talks, I ugh. mean, like everyone just like uses wine. It's it's actually been thrown around a lot as as like the reason to drink yeah. more wine. A, a reason actually, to, like, I, a bunch of my friends and I created a sober <laughs> uh, political group like on Facebook just because we wanted somewhere where we could complain where someone wasn't going to make a comment about like, Oh, go drink some wine, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. check out. And it's like, guess what? We're, you know, I, I think that it's okay to, to, to take breaks, but I don't think it's okay to totally check out for me. Yeah. Um, that's not, that's not, that doesn't work for me. Um, and you know, for me, the balance is honestly, it's, it's extreme self care. Um, it's loving my people, you know, my husband and my kids, and, and making sure that everything is cool at home. But then also for me, a huge tool was actually doing something, being active. I can't just be on Twitter complaining or reading Twitter. Um, I really was like, okay, what, what am I passionate about? I'm going to do three things, right? Like join three groups or whatever, and then do those things. And it's hard because 
every time I see anything, I'm like, I care about this. I care about that. You know, um, like one great example is, you know, I got pregnant at 23 at a job where they provided us with an insurance stipend, but it was considered private insurance. And I got kicked off my insurance because I was pregnant and I was a pre-existing condition. So I went to Planned Mm -hmm. Parenthood for my pregnancy care. Um, that means a lot to me that, that issue, but I'm not currently involved in that issue, honestly, real, a lot, because what are you, you, how have you decided, how have you decided what you're involved in and what are you involved in? Um, so I'm involved in, um, work with refugees and that actually started before the election. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to Greece, uh, last October. So it was right before the election and, you know, totally told all those people there, don't worry, most people aren't like what you're seeing on the news and then came home <laughs> the election and felt like a horrible person. Um, but it was, you know, it was kismet that I went when I did. And, and, you know, like that was direct, that was a direct sobriety link because the friend I went with on that trip, the friend that invited me was somebody that I had had a falling out with because of my, because of behavior that and things that I had done when I was drinking. And we reconnected after I got sober and she went through an issue with her family and somebody who was drinking too much. And, and that this whole experience would have not existed had I not been sober, number one. Um, and so, yeah, I photographed, um, a Syrian refugee camp there, um, an informal school. And so that kind of started me on the path. I'd been involved a little bit. Um, and so when I came back, I continued with that work. There's actually quite a few refugees that are resettled here in Kansas city. So I do fundraising work for them. Um, and then education is really important to me with um, mm-hmm. two young kids. So I work a lot in the public education sector as an advocate. I'm a founding member of an all-female, all-mother <laughs> PAC political, political action committee here in my in my community that's hyper-focused on local politics. Um, awesome. So our school board, our state legislature, things like that, um, local elections, which is cool because you really are making changes yeah. that you can feel in your community. Um, yeah. and so that I don't helps. think people realize that they can, like, they can really do that at a, at a super local level. I yeah. I mean, this was literally after the election, a mom got on Facebook and was like, I want to create a group like this. There was another group kind of like it in a different part of our area, um, that was focused on another school district. And, a bunch of us just got together and we just did it. Like you can just do it. You don't have to yeah. be like right. a corporation. You can just do it. Yeah. And, um, and it's been because of the political climate has changed so much. Um, and we pulled in, you know, all the volunteers were all moms in our district, but we all have different talents. Um, so we've ended up getting like a lot of local media coverage. Um, we had mm-hmm. more people vote in the last primary election that had ever voted in a local primary wow. election. Um, and a lot of that was attributed to the school board race that we're working on and, um, so doing stuff like that really helps because it's tangible, right? It's something you can touch, yeah. you can, you can do. Um, and so those have been like the two big things I work with. And then I also work with the one organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's a much bigger, <laughs> that's kind of a global initiative. One is, um, it's a nonprofit that was co-founded by Bono of U2, mm-hmm. um, and was really, really popular like five years ago, you know, um, kind of another arm of one is, uh, red. So that yeah. used to be on all gap stuff. Um, yeah. and it's still very popular. So one works on eradicating global poverty, but it's specifically focused in sub-Saharan Africa. And so I'm a congressional district leader for one, which means my congressional district in Kansas, I'm in charge of all the volunteer work here. Um, and so like those three things, that's enough, that's more than enough. 
to do. Mm-hmm. Right, but I'm, um, when I'm ta- yeah. what I'm thinking about is like one of the things that I was hoping you could talk a little bit about is that what I've seen is women that are barely able to make it through a day, right, yeah. that are also bombarded with being told that you have to do something and you have to be involved. And mm-hmm. so I think like it's – I think like one of the things I I feel – how do I say this? One of the things that's the most important to me is making sure that people are able to advocate for themselves and their own space and be able to get to a place where they can actually – like I get that going out and doing it is really important. But I feel like there also has to be a grace period that we give ourselves to be able to get sober before we Absolutely. feel – Okay. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like how – because yeah. were you doing all of this when you no. were – Okay. All right. No. That's this the part. All, this all very much started up it, – it, for me, it was just – you know, aligning of the moons or whatever that I was very lucky to have, you know, three years of sobriety under my belt before these opportunities started coming at me. Yeah. Um, and, and they're all connected, right? Like this happened because this happened because this happened, but I had three years of sobriety behind me. I was solid. I felt in my recovery and I was in a place where I can kind of feel if I'm wavering and I can take a step back. So like right now, all I'm working on is the education stuff. One is on hold, the refugee stuff. I did a big art show at the beginning of September. All that's on hold for me. Not It's not on hold for anyone else. But I just know for me, I have to have boundaries um, that are healthy. And because I had, you know, a couple years of sobriety under my belt and had worked so hard on learning how to set boundaries, Mm -hmm. um, I can do that. I would not ask anyone ever, ever in early sobriety to take on all these things. Absolutely not. Um, because you can't do any of this stuff unless you can take care of yourself first. That's right. You know, it's like, I had to learn like a little child, how to take care of myself. How to just not drink like for a day and then, yeah. And then do it again. I mean, like I said, it was cereal. It was iPads. It was all of those things for me for, for probably longer than other people. You know, I think everybody has a different, you know, time length for how long that is for them. Yeah. Uh, but I so think, you know, the universe puts things in our path, like when you're ready. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ready at one year or two. You know, there were all these things. I always say, like, each year of my recovery has kind of had a different theme. Yeah. And the first yes. year was just survive this. That's it. Yeah. Don't drink. Yeah. Survive this. And then the second year was my relationship, you know, my marriage, my family. Um, and then year three was a kind of physicality, you know, getting back into exercise, eating better foods. Like I ate nothing but like gummy bears for the first year. Like I was not healthy. <laughs> and then it was like into year four was when I started really working on like, oh, I used to be passionate about things. <laughs> what was I? Maybe I could about? do some more things. I think that's, and, I'm so glad you laid that out like that. It's Good. Yeah. No, and I just think that it, it, it happened that way, how it was supposed to, none of it was forced. I was not going out there looking for any of these things. They kind of just happened and, but they happened because I put myself in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I had the, you know, boundaries to say yes. And to say no, like I said, I've been contacted plenty of times by, you know, reproductive rights groups, by other social justice groups to do lots of other things. And I've had to say no, and there. Yeah. I just can't like there's 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 only one of me. And the great thing about that is, you know, it gives other people the opportunity to stand up. If I'm doing all the things, then nobody else can do anything. Right. So I try to remind myself of that. And and yeah, I would definitely say if you're early in sobriety, your number one thing that you can do for the world to make the world a better place is stay sober. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, my dear. I know you gotta, you gotta go. This was so awesome, Megan. It was so good to talk to you. And I feel like we barely got to get into the stuff that we wanted to, but it was a really, I'm glad you talked about your, your relationship. That I think that's it's, so important. Yeah. I'm glad we went there. I feel like it was too. a good use of the time. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank Thanks for everything you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then we'll tell everybody how to find you in our introduction. Yeah. Good. All right, babe. Love Thanks, you guys. Babe. Thanks, Bye. ladies. Bye. 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 Bye